Hello, folks, and welcome to an exciting new episode of the hot podcast everybody is talking about. Cam just woke up from a nap. It's the I only did. podcast that discusses Cam's naps. Yeah. Cameron, how was your nap? Uh, well, okay. So it was a little hornier than I expected. Uh, <laughs> Sexually nah. charged. Ooh, it was, it was electric. Uh, <laughs> here we are. Uh, no, it was, it was, you know what it was? It was the product of uh, winter boredom, winter malaise. Yeah. Um, Seasonal affective disorder. Not a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, unfortunately fell asleep in the midst of uh, uh, a long, a long cook. Uh, was making some chicken stew, which itself turned out pretty good, I think. Um, unfortunately, didn't really have time to try it. Uh, my rice burned. I was making some <laughs> rice on the stove and uh, let that overcook. Luckily, it's an electric stove. I live with a lot of people. Um, got some texts about that. And uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, the rice is burnt and uh, off to the side. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it was a pretty good nap, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's 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 where we are. You know, that does answer some of my questions about the nap because I saw you posting about making chicken stew, and it looked like it was in the early stages. And then I was texting yeah, you. Yeah, the stew is fine. The stew, okay, I mean, yeah. luckily Just, the stew can sit there for yeah. however long. Yeah, but, it can uh, simmer. But then, and then I started texting you about, hey, I just got home uh, from work in the gym, and I'm yeah. about to make dinner. You still get to go for like 7.30. And I got no answers. I'm like, okay. And then I finished eating and I text you again. Still no answers. And I was wondering, did he fall asleep because of the stew? Or has he fallen asleep whilst the stew is in Despite motion? Despite the stew. Yeah. yeah. What unfortunately, it was the latter. The I, 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 I fell asleep despite the stew. Yeah. I've been doing nothing. Nothing. <laughs> all fucking day. It's been cold. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. not even drunk. Like I, I, I just yeah. literally just fell asleep. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Well, it's supposed to snow like two to three feet down here this weekend. So tonight? No, no, not tonight. This weekend. No. Oh. What does that have to do with me sleeping? I don't. Just, just generalized winter weather. So okay. Yeah, you can sleep during that. Cool, man. Yeah. You can sleep right now if you want. Oh, dude. I'll take the reins. <laughs> Apparently I'm I'm willing and able. I <laughs> <laughs> Which I... it wouldn't be the first time that you've caught a couple quick seconds on the podcast, but Um Yeah, uh let me think. I've definitely come close to falling asleep on the podcast. We recorded really late. Yeah. After. And you had gone to the gym and work that day, I believe. Yeah, and I, I was I was definitely nodding. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you weren't interesting me. Uh, which, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, who's I know and I saw that. And I'm, I, I feel I'm like talking. the blame's got to be shared on that one. I don't okay, know. Okay, fine. But yeah, and I was talking, and I, I'm looking at you, and I'm getting this look on my face like, this one's like, is asleep? asleep? Yeah, yeah. No, I was. And, yeah. dude, there was, again, there was no. Uh, there was no ulterior motive or reason for that. It was, it was just, just like, a good time to catch a couple Z's. Dude, I was just tired. <laughs> yeah. It was what it was. Yeah. So, here we are. Now, I, yeah. uh, thankfully, I've had about two hours to uh, <laughs> to rest. <laughs> so hopefully that's not an issue tonight. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, uh got a pretty long one so i figure why don't we just get into it yeah that sounds good i don't have obviously uh an ad or anything like that so yeah that's fine all right so uh i guess you can put in the theme music now
Right here? Right now. Right now. Okay. Yeah, we'll do it. That's fine. back from the theme music here um <laughs> i'm sorry so here's where we'll do it no no it was back there so back th- okay so it's yeah. so we've done it yeah okay yeah we've so already by done now it. so by now when people are listening we've done it yeah we've already yeah we've completed we've, the that theme music has the happened episode. you guys know what show you're listening to yeah it's left uh, unread yep back, coming back at you oh fuck okay all right left yep. unread then okay all right. Yep. Oh man, you know you take a nap and you think you know what you've got going on, but <laughs> yeah, you don't even remember. Apparently not. What's okay. going on? All right. All okay. Right. Okay. Okay. So we are in week three of four weeks of discussing ancient Rome. Yeah. Sorry and... we didn't release this sooner, but Evan wasn't ready, so we just didn't do it. Yeah. Well, we couldn't really line up on times to record. Well, we had a time lined up, and and then and I had you to weren't... bring my car in. Yeah, you weren't ready for that time, so... Okay, fuck off. <laughs> so, uh, so today we are discussing the Roman-Macedonian Wars. And uh, honestly, this ended up being a lot longer than I was uh, anticipating. I, I found it difficult to narrow the scope. I, I kept having to, like, pare back a bit what I was writing. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, really my, my intention was to talk about the actual wars, and I kept finding myself getting into, you know, the causes and the aftermath, so uh, a couple times I had to sort of uh, not quite rewrite, but definitely, like, shuffle around and kind of uh, recenter it, but hopefully, you know, it's, uh, we can we can really get into how it is that the Roman Republic was able to, uh, like, begin its imperial ascent and take total domination of the Mediterranean. So, let's go to 323 BCE. So, other than way back in episode 19, which is our episode about Oliver Stone's megalithic Alexander the Great biopic. Yep, 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 yep. uh, We haven't really discussed ancient Greece or the Hellenistic Age much. So, as an extremely brief intro to the topic of Rome and its conquests of the successor states of Alexander, we should lay the map out somewhat. So when Alexander the Great, son of Philip II, died in 323 BCE, he had conquered much of the known world from the eastern Mediterranean to the Indus River Valley in India. Alexander and Philip were Macedonians, uh, a barbaric, according to the Greeks, people from north of Greece that had conquered the old Greek city-states and unified them using, in large part, a modified Greek phalanx. Among the myriad reforms was the idea to just take the standard Greek hoplite spear and make it, like, three times longer. And they called it a pike or sarissa, 
and they just started eviscerating every other Greek phalanx, and then looking eastward to conquer. And that's really, that's really like, uh, the crux of their military uh, innovation, right? It's just yeah. like, okay, so we're going to do the same thing that everybody's been doing, but what just if? Just make it but what way if, fucking longer. What if our spears were longer than everyone else's spears? Yeah. And it worked. Like, yeah. it worked. I mean, they had a couple of the reforms in terms of, like, you know, like, formations, and it did sure. things with, like, like, the way that they would stack the phalanx was a little bit different, too. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, it really was just like, well, if we just made it longer. Yeah. <laughs> the spears work. What if our spears were longer than everyone else's spears? Yeah, what if we just uh, spears maxed it, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and they did. And it worked. And it worked. it worked really fucking well. It worked really well. <laughs> they just had the longest spears. Yeah. And yeah. so I can't really describe how cool this modification was. But I suggest you, the listener, take the time to look into the Macedonian phalanx. So when it was, like, in motion, like, fully ramped up in battle, it basically looked like one of those old-school, like, push lawnmowers. Yeah. Uh, where, where the blades, like, rotate and you can see it. Yeah. So, you know, the pikes were, like, slowly lowered. So the soldiers in the back, they would stand with the pikes straight up. And as the rows came forward, they would start to come down. And so as, you know, people would drop back or, you know, die, and other soldiers had to step forward, you would see the sure. pikes slowly lower, like those, like, rotating, like, exposed lawnmower blades, which was supposed to be, like, pant-shitting to see <laughs> as as an enemy. You know, they would just lower bit by bit as uh, as the rows stepped up. Um, so now, once Alexander died, his domain was split up into a number of successor states ruled by the Diadochi, or various factions made up of generals, families, and friends of Alexander. Some of the most famous were the Seleucids in Persia, the Antigonids in Asia Minor, the Ptolemies of Egypt, and the dynasty of Cassander that took over Macedon. Mm. So this period of the Diadochi Wars would mark the beginning of the Hellenistic Age, which was the period of Mediterranean history after Alexander's death, but before the rise of the Roman Empire. So the Hellenistic period encompasses the entirety of the Di of the Diadochi Wars, which would see Antigonus, the satrap and general of Alexander, start a dynasty that would take control of Macedon years after his, i.e. Antigonus's, own death right up until they are torn asunder by the ascendant manipular legions of the rising Roman Republic on its way to true imperial status. The destruction of the Hellenistic period would usher in an age of Roman domination for hundreds of years throughout the Mediterranean, and in Greece itself for around like 1,500 years. <clears throat> so, let's take a look at how the force that conquered from Epirus to the Indus, from the Balkans to Pakistan, and down to the first cataract of the Nile, would come to meet its demise at the city-state in Italy that had just conquered the western Mediterranean on the strength of an entirely new brand of warfare.
Fabio, y'all don't hear me though. These record labels slang, I taste like dope. You could be next in line and sign and still be writing rhymes and rope. You would rather have a Lexus or Justice, a dream or some substance, a beamer or a necklace or freedom. Still nigga like me don't play, hey, I just stay awake. It's real hip hop and it don't stop till we get the popo off the block. They call it hip hop, hip hop, hip hop. I don't want to make it seem like the Macedon of the Roman-Macedonian Wars was as strong as it was under Philip and Alexander, as the power was significantly curtailed. However, neither was it a rump state incapable of fielding a competitive force. So Paul J. Burton, in his study of the Third Macedonian War, which I leaned on heavily for this episode, uh, estimates that King Perseus, by 171 BCE, could likely field an army of over 40,000 and pay for 10,000 mercenaries for 10 years, and this actually may have been a bigger force than Alexander ever used. So Lucius Aemilius Paulus, the victor at Pydna, uh, which was the final battle in this war, in the Third Macedonian War, uh, he would display several hundred million sesterces in his triumph and captured 6,000 talents of gold and silver. So Jesus. a talent in this context is roughly the weight of a person. Um, you know, it's kind of meant different things at different times, but... In this in this scenario, about the weight of a person. Okay, so like 150 pounds or something like that. Is that what <laughs> I think less? Less, especially yeah, like probably closer to like 120 or something okay. like that. People are smaller then. <clears throat> um, so like 300 pounds, like the size of yeah. like an average dude. Yeah. So just, yeah, just nothing, nothing major, just like a like like an average dude, like 300 yeah. pounds. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. <laughs> All <laughs> right. I never so, uh, thought I'd feel good about myself after doing this episode, but <laughs> uh, so what the Antigonids of Macedon did have was the vaunted Macedonian phalanx, something at this time that was lacked by the Seleucids and the Ptolemies, and what Paulus claimed had given him the fright of his life at Pydna. Of course, the Macedonians had the famed cavalry of Alexander as well, including the sacred squadrons, mm. the Sacre Alley, and the royal cavalry the Regii Equites. The cavalry, holding the right flank, would number 3,000 when also accounting for the standard cavalry. The allies, consisting of Thracians and Thessalians, held the left. And then the stancer stood the Macedonian phalanx, numbering often either 16,000 or a double complement of 12,000 each. So 16 or 24. Yeah, basically. Okay. <clears throat> uh, when in defensive posture, the Macedonian army was nearly invincible, as enemies lunged to their death at the Sarissa walls while being ground down by cavalry charges and the Peltis skirmishers, which were elite uh, light infantry units. However, the weakness of the Macedonian phalanx was the light armor used by the phalangites in order to combat the massive pikes. So, on even ground, they could charge and hold position on offense, but if they started to break up, and here's you know, a little foreshadowing, their wicker shields and light armor meant they could be hacked apart if separated. Mm. And the legions of Rome, they are heavily armored and highly mobile. And they don't use wicker. Yeah, no, they are heavily fucking armored. That is like heavy infantry. Yeah, no wicker. <laughs> yeah, no wicker. There's no wicker involved in the Roman. Yeah, legions. these are not wicker men. They've uh, they've they've established <laughs> that if you're gonna be an elite legionary force, uh, wicker isn't gonna be a part of the equation. Yeah. No wicker. There's zero wicker. Yeah. Which, you know, can you blame them? I mean, yeah. wicker? When I think of wicker, I think of, like, a old lady's furniture. Or, like, maybe a basket. But Or, you know, like, a, like a, this big, like, strange pagan 
uh, a man made of wicker that you burn people alive in. With the bees, on, yeah. On... <laughs> Not the bees! Not the bees! But here's the thing. If you, if you asked me, you said, Cam, <coughs> you are going to have to go to war. Medieval war. Previous yeah. to medieval war. Ancient yeah. war. And you're going to have to defend yourself against uh, uh, an elite fighting force. What materials do you want to defend yourself with? You can choose three materials, right? Yeah. Wicker's not on the list. You know, I'm going to yeah. say leather, I'm going to say iron, and I'm going to say, I don't fucking know, uh, mud. I'm not yeah. going to say wicker. Wicker's not going to even come into play. Yeah. Well, you know, when, you're, uh, when your pike is like nine meters long. Well, that's... <laughs> That's the thing, I guess, but at the same time, it's like, come on, guys. Even I with mean, the nine foot pike. Yeah. Nine meters. Fuck. Even with the, yeah, nine even meters. with the 30, what is that, 18? 27. 20, 27 foot long pike. Jeez, that's a long pike. <laughs> that's got to be revolutionary. You got to yeah. have a different name for a pike like that. Maybe a uh, Sarissa. 27 feet? Yeah, Jeepers Creepers. All right, let's let's yeah. let's just move on because I right, there's yeah. no uh, wicker though. I'm just not. I'm not gonna yeah. get used to that. Yeah. All right. So anyway, to make a long story short, there was basically total war going on in Greece for decades in the Diadochi uh, kingdoms, with many of the smaller groupings allying with Rome in its war against Philip V. And meanwhile, Rome was fighting for its life against the invasion of Hannibal in the Second Punic War. Um, so this is actually something I didn't realize. Rome was fighting Macedon intermittently while they were fighting the Second Punic War. Right. Like, th this is, like, the thing with Rome, is that they can just call up doomstacks. Yeah, they, they <laughs> um, were they were able to summon just people out of nowhere. Yeah. Just, like, owing to... It, it did eventually catch up to them, but, like, yeah. during this period, they, they were just sending men everywhere. Yeah, I mean, like, Hannibal invaded with, like, 80,000 men. Yeah. And that was one army. He wasn't really getting replenished. And then he gets down to, like, 40,000 at Cannae when he basically eviscerates an entire Roman army of, like, equal or greater size. Yeah. Eviscerates. Done. That's the end of the uh, that army. Mm -hmm. And they're like, we'll just call up another one. <laughs> and he's yeah. kicking their ass with one army. He's not getting reinforcements, really. And that's it's, before they even had professional armies. I mean, it, it, yeah. it was, th these are still all uh, volunteer forces, volunteer forces militia-based yeah. armies, conscription-based yeah. armies. Um, Rome doesn't, I mean, keep in mind, we talked a little bit last week about, or well, however long ago it was now, about yeah. how eventually Gaius Marius would professionalize the Roman military. They haven't done that yet. Yeah, no, this is these still are like just like years before that. Yeah, these are just like conscripted armies it's like where yeah. are you getting all these people yeah so Somewhere. anyway it, yeah so like uh, rome owing to its pan italian roman alliance system that's basically how they did it. they just infinitely replenished these doom stacks of dozens of thousands of troops and it made them essentially impossible to defeat for good right you could defeat three armies the size of yours and they would just call up a fucking fourth well that's the thing i mean you read a lot of these old histories of rome and you're like rome yeah. took a lot of l's and it's like yeah they did yeah. but rome they weren't like other ancient cultures they didn't yeah. give up yeah you like you could beat the shit out of them and they would just be like all right yeah war's not i didn't hear no bell i didn't yeah i didn't hear no bell <laughs> war's not over i didn't hear no bell yeah and um 
that's why Rome won a lot of these wars. I mean, that's why Rome won the Punic Wars. Good example. Yeah. Uh, they got soundly defeated in some pretty decisive battles, and they like were just multiple like, in a row. They're like, all right, okay, yeah, all right, okay, yeah. All like, right. dude, like okay. Trasimene and then Cannae were like back to back, and those were both like massive defeats. And they're like, yeah, fucking, I don't know, I'll do it again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was pretty. That was pretty good. That was pretty good, Hannibal. Um, let's do. Yeah, come. No, let's. I mean, there, there's a let's reason they call it a Peric victory, like Paris of Epirus. Mm-hmm. He beat the shit out of the Romans, but he took so much damage, and the Romans could just call up more. So even though he won, he kind of in the long run lost. Yeah, which is you know obviously it's simplifying it, but anyway, so. <clears throat> Uh, pro and anti-Roman factions would come to dot the landscape of Greece between Macedon and the Achaean and Aetolian leagues, and all of the small groupings of various peoples, large and small, throughout the Balkan region. And this was really Rome's greatest strength. Uh, it had built up myriad alliances throughout the Italian peninsula, had conquered many of the barbarian tribes to the north and west, and had begun taking over Hispania after the defeat of Carthage and the Punic Wars. Rome was constantly able to levy massive armies, even after losing a fighting force of over 50,000 at Cannae, and just immediately raising another fight back against Hannibal. So the makeup of the Roman army was unique in the Mediterranean. The Romans at one time did use a phalanx, but the adaptability of the Roman Republic was unmatched, and they had unleashed a totally new makeup of infantry called the Maniple, or the Manipular Legion. So as Polybius describes it, unlike the phalanx where each soldier fought necessarily in complement with the other phalangites, the legions fought individually. They each had a long shield that they used as fit to defend themselves, and they had a gladius used generally for thrusting, but that could also be used for slashing if need be. Gladius was their type of sword. So what this leads to is the phalanx really being effective entirely based on terrains, whereas the legion can bend to suit different terrain much more easily. The legions also do not deploy everyone at one time, unlike the phalanx which lines up all the soldiers. Depending on the situation of battle, different formations come up to do their part or drop back to allow others to do theirs. So, the makeup of the Manipular Legion. I'll try not to get too into the weeds about the makeup of the legion because it can be confusing, uh, which the Romans basically always were when you really try to get into the way that like, yeah. the legions were broken down. Um, and part of it's too, like, you know, they talk about century, which obviously comes from the word 100, but century, like, basically never meant 100. Sometimes it meant 80, sometimes it meant 60, shit like that, like, in terms of, like, how many men there were. But for the Manipular Legion, the makeup was primarily of three lines of infantry. The first were the Hastati, the youngest of the three Manipular lines. Next came the Principes, or the Principes, veterans of battle, but still fairly young and better equipped than the Hastati. And finally came the Triarii, the oldest of the, legionaries, of the legionnaires and the heaviest of the infantry. They would hang back and only be called upon if the situation was dire. There were also skirmishers called Velites or the Velites, armed with light javelin that would fall back with the Triarii after skirmishing. So the makeup of the le- What's up? No, nothing. It just makes me think of a uh, Rome Total War. That's all. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was my first, uh, my first introduction to this way back in high school. Yeah. Um, Triarii. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Astati, Hostati, Velites. Yeah. So, such a good game. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so the makeup of the, of the legion had a line, each divided into centuries, ranks, and files of each of the main three infantry types and was supplemented with various amounts of cavalry, auxiliaries, and skirmishers. 
the Hastati, uh, the Hastati and the Principes were armed with Pila and Gladii, which are basically javelins and thrusting swords, whereas the Triarii were armed with heavy spears named Haste, which the Hastati apparently used to use Haste, hence Hastati, but by this point they didn't. Um, and these troops more closely resembled Phalangites. Uh, when drawn up in battle, the legion was divided into five manipuli of the three main infantry types, and each manipuli was further divided into two centuriae. There were half as many triarii to a manipul, and to a century as there were principes and hastati, and each legion was supported by squadrons of equities, light cavalry, and velities. So one thing to note, Italy and Greece, not exactly flat terrain. These are mountainous countries. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. And uh yeah, so anyway, let's set the geopolitical stage. Macedon, round one, first Roman Macedonian War. Mm -hmm. So the earliest story about the interaction of the two great Mediterranean powers dates to 323 BCE, when some ancient sources claim the Romans sent a delegation to Babylon to meet with Alexander. Whether this is true or not is up in the air, but most sources agree that Alexander predicting greatness for the still young republic was likely anachronistic. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's the, gotta be. That, that sounds, sounds like, like the exact type of thing that ancient historians just bullshit about, especially Roman fine. historians. They were like, "Yeah, yeah he could totally it. tell we were gonna be awesome." Yeah, he could totally tell. He said it. He could. He said it. Yo, did you hear him? He said it. He yeah, said Alexander it. even said. He even said that we were gonna be awesome, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he fucking said that shit. Zero um, percent chance. Yeah. <laughs> so Rome would come to be involved in engagements with the Diatiki almost immediately. Of course, with the famous Peric War against Paris of Epirus. It was during this war in circa 280 that Rome was introduced to the Macedonian phalanx and to war elephants. The Romans would later fight two short wars in Illyria after crossing the Adriatic, a turning point for the power of the Republic outside of Italy. The first was against the Illyrian Ardi uh, Ar Ardei due to their tendencies towards piracy, and the second against Demetrius of Pharos in 219 BCE. Demetrius sought aid from the Macedonian king Philip V, but was left to dry due to the young king's other wars, and Rome would be victorious. Demetrius would flee to Macedon and live out his days in Philip V's court. So now in the heat of the Second Punic War, after the disaster at the Battle of Lake Trasimene when Hannibal Annabelle ambushed and annihilated a Roman force, Demetrius was able to convince the brash Philip V to attack Rome and give up his war against the Aetolian League. 
Philip entering the fray here would mark the beginning of an uninterrupted break in the Mediterranean when Italy, Greece, and Africa would forever be joined in some regards politically, whether in union, trade, or war. This is still true. Mm -hmm. Now, this is something. This is not something I'd ever really understood, which I kind of mentioned earlier. Rome's real wars with Macedon actually began during the Second Punic War. It was in 214 BCE that the First Roman-Macedonian War began, right after Hannibal had achieved his most shocking victory at Cannae, one of the first and most famous instances in the history of warfare of the notorious Pincer Movement, was when Philip V of Macedon sought out to attack Rome, and he attempted to link up with Hannibal as an ally to defeat the Republic. However, owing to Hannibal's strong position in Italy itself, as he hoped to control Rome's future, no real hard alliance was struck, and the First Macedonian War ended up becoming nothing more than the Eastern Front of the Second Punic War. Mm -hmm. And mainly Roman allies, like the Aetolian League, battled Macedon and Illyria across the Adriatic from Italy. So Rome was able to quickly get a foothold in Illyria in the war, and after a couple of years of fighting around the area, pulled more Greek city-states into the anti-Macedonian alliance as Amici, or friends. This included Elis, Sparta, and Messenia. This successfully turned the war into an internecine Greek conflict with Peloponnesian and Aetolian allies resisting the Macedonians, allowing the Romans to take a defensive posture and retreat from Greece altogether. So the Peace of Phonus would be signed in 205 BCE, after the Roman Amici in Greece eventually were worn down, and Rome needed to focus on their final showdown with Hannibal. And so they gave Philip V very fav favorable terms over the lands in Illyria and Greece, with former Amici falling into the Macedonian camp. Mm -hmm. Alright, so to recap, the Second Punic War, a war of literal existential proportions for Rome, occurred between 219 and 201. During this was the First Macedonian War from 214 to 205, and it was really the Eastern Front of the Second Punic War. Well, it took all of one year for Rome to get back into the game. Just when they thought they got out, <laughs> it pulled them back in. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of unbelievable. Uh, R Rome at this point really is like just the, the comeback kid. They are unputdownable. The, they rested for one fucking year. Yeah. After an yeah. existential threat, and they're like, "I'll fucking do it again." And they're just like, "I'm gonna, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go fight them. I gotta go back." Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're like, "Well, you know, Philip really kind of bent us over by attacking us at our lowest moment. Yeah. We can't let that go. We can't let unchallenged. This, this must not stand." Yeah. And it's crazy to think. I mean, you know, if you know anything about the history of Rome, you know that Rome started as like this tiny, yeah. tiny inconsequential city-state in central latin they weren't even like culturally important i mean the 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 other cultures of italy were far larger like the etruscans and um the ligurians and and, and they're just the latins were just not an important people no and they fuck man they did it <laughs> yeah i mean dude i i remember reading i can't remember what book it was but they were talking about like the total misunderstanding that even like romans and, like, the late Republic and Empire had for the early days, where, like, Proto-Latin, like, really old Latin was very similar to Greek. Yeah. And, um, that there, like, in Rome itself, it was unearthed this column that the ancient Romans had believed, because they couldn't even understand the Latin that was written there. Right. But they believed it was, uh, something, uh, some, like, great shrine to, like, Romulus or, like, some king, like, ancient Roman king. And really what it was was basically just saying, under orders of the chieftain, uh, you cannot yoke your cattle here. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And, like, yeah. that's what... It, it was just, like, a backwards little, little, like, 
hovel town. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it was, dude. Exactly. It was. It was. It was a backwater. It was a yeah. a den of thieves. It was. It was yeah. nothing. And um, they fuck man. They turned it into something. I'll tell you. Yeah, they turned it into an empire that lasted through the Middle Ages. Yeah, the medieval period. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like insane. Anyway, um, so the Second Macedonian War broke out in 200 uh, BCE when the smaller powers in the Eastern Mediterranean ran to Rome and begged them, please, sir, please intervene because of Philip's warmongering in the east. Pergamum and Rhodes, old ancient enemies, joined together to request aid from Rome, as did Athens and Egypt. So the consul Publius Sulpicius Galba uh, was able to convince the people, obviously wary of their brutal war with Hannibal that just lasted 20 years, uh, but he convinced them after a protracted plea to go to war again. So the real run-up to the war is something of a debate historiographically, but Galba had appealed to Romans showing fides, or good faith, to their friends in the east who were begging for help. Ambitions such as plunder seem not to make up his plea or the desire. Uh, rather, this is really a case of Rome's imperial ambitions coming to fruition, as opposed to them just being greedy. Uh, but of course, they will sack some cities. Uh, there is, of course, the fact that Philip deigned to kick Rome while it was down and in its darkest hour, and he did well by doing that. You can't let that go by now. Uh, uh, can't let that go by now that Rome was once more in a position of strength, even if subdued strength. So the war did not begin well for Philip, who struggled to find any support throughout mainland Greece and continually was defeated in skirmishes, including a forewarning of things to come in the future when he got caught in a fight near Pella, the Macedonian capital in northern Greece. It was a narrow, rocky, densely wooded terrain that he could not get to good ground to deploy his phalanx, but the mobile legions were able to defeat him by forcing the fight. So the Romans would systematically break apart all of Philip's allies south of Thessaly and turn them to the Roman cause, and he constantly was defeated at every turn and thwarted in talks of ending the war as Rome demanded each time that Philip give up all of his gains since their last war, both in the treaty and since then as he had hounded Egypt before the re-outbreak of hostilities with Rome. So the final defeat of Philip came at the Battle of Sinocephale, uh, which began as a skirmish in poor weather and ended in a full and decisive victory for Rome as they were able to delay the proper deployment of the Macedonian phalanx long enough to rout the enemy. Philip was forced to sue for peace. <clears throat> the terms were light, with Thessaly becoming free and Illyria being confirmed as ruled by Roman friend Pluratus III, but Macedon was kept whole. The reason was that the Seleucid king Antiochus III was rampaging in Syria and had attacked Roman Amicus Pergamum. Rome could not risk of Philip allying with Antiochus to spite them, so they let him off fairly lightly. Greece was declared free and would not pay tribute, but Rome would obviously hold sway over the people they had just liberated. <clears throat> Think America towards Western Europe after World War II. So overall, the Second Macedonian War lasted from 200 to 197. So Rome would go on to defeat Antiochus with the help of Philip after Antiochus had won over parts of Greece to his cause later in the 190s. Hmm. Uh, and for the remainder of his reign, Philip V would be a loyal amicus of Rome. <laughs> <coughs> so, he's just a friend. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's just my buddy. <laughs> uh, he would be succeeded by his son Perseus, born to a concubine, after Perseus had framed his legitimately born brother Demetrius as having plotted to overthrow Philip. So Philip executed him. Nice. Yeah, some classic D 
devious plotting. Yeah, love it. Uh, yeah. You love to see it, folks. I mean, it's yeah, dads killing sons, brothers plotting against mm-hmm. brothers. There's yeah. really, I mean, what's wrong with that? Yeah, good fun. I'm the one man army a sword. I never been tooken out. I keep MCs looking out. I drop signs like Crosby dropping babies. Enough to make a nigga go crazy. In the G building, taking all types of medicines. Your ass thought you were better than a son. I keep planets in orbit while I be coming with deeper and more shit. Enough to make you break and shake your ass as I forget. Rhyme good as a tasty cake makes this style a master in. Niggas catching headaches, what, what? You need aspirin? This type of pain you couldn't even kill with might or Fuck around, get sprayed with Lysol in your face like the can of mace, baby. Is this burning with fucking now you're learning? How? All right. <clears throat> so, the third Roman Macedonian War, which is really the real war here. The other ones were a little fucking nothing. <clears throat> and honestly, this one was pretty much nothing for most of it, too. Until the end. <clears throat> so, my goal here is not to get too bogged down with the details leading up to the Third Macedonian War. Yeah, you keep <clears throat> saying that, yeah. Yeah, I know. I trust me. I had to keep telling myself that <laughs> as I wrote. Uh, but to make a long story short, short, Perseus was ambitious and anti-Roman, and he stirred up anti-Roman sentiment in the Mediterranean. That's a dangerous game. Yeah, mainly he did a bunch of shit that pissed the Romans off while trying to build support for himself. It did not work. And as war broke out in 171, Perseus stood alone. Sure. Yep. At this point, they've beaten the other big swinging dick in the the Mediterranean. They've defeated Carthage. Who's going to stand up to the Romans? No one's seeing this and being like, yeah, that's awesome, Perseus. Yeah, dude, we'll definitely fight those guys. Like, no, they're immortal. They they never give up. They'll fight you for 20 years to win. If you're smart, you will say, I'm just going to be their friend. Yeah, I'll, I'll, be, an, I'll be an amicus. I'll give them a little bit of money. Sometimes i got to help them in the wars that they will always be in. Yeah. But they will always help me. Yeah. And they will. And that's the thing. They yeah. will. Like, if you just are their friend, they'll be your friend too. But if you're not, no, they'll yeah. fight you for decades. Yeah. They, they definitely have, like, a paternalistic stance. So like, like I said, like, Pergamum and Rhodes... They were, like, going up there, like, dude, please help us out. We're getting fucked by this guy. And yeah. Rome would be like, okay, okay. Yeah, and they would. Because yeah. at this point, they still had this sort of, I don't want to say honor, but they had this sense of duty towards their friends, their allies. You know, yeah. that's not going to last forever, but. Yeah, they'll just absorb them. <laughs> yeah, eventually, eventually they'll just become part of the empire. Yeah. But, uh, but resistance is futile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are Borg. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, Perseus had been building up to war himself, but was left in the lurch because of Roman intervention in, in diplomacy. And Rome had also prepared for war. Of course, they always were. And as it broke out, they had troops already in Greece. And they had been, you know, plotting with the other states making sure their alliances and their friends were allies and friends. Um, so Gnaeus Sicinius uh, led a command of advanced troops at Apollonia, and they began to occupy forts in the region while Perseus was still getting ready. Although rec- now recognizing his position, he was loath to go to war. So Aulus Aetilius Serranus held uh, Larissa in Thessaly, and Publius Cornelius Lentulus was dispatched to confirm uh, <clears throat> Boeotia's commitment to Rome. Marcius Philippus took a ha- handful of Quinquirium warships to Greece with the vague task of, quote, 
doing whatever seemed most advantageous for Rome, which is a pretty good command to get. You can just do whatever you want. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> after gathering ships and men uh, from the Greek and other Eastern Mediterranean amici, the consul uh, Licinius Crassus, which is not the one from last week, this is like 100 years before him, but Licinius Crassus made it to Apollonia with 30,000 men. <clears throat> Perseus decided to go ahead with the war in lieu of trying to appease Rome through concessions, and he amassed his troops at Citium, 43,000 men, half of which were phalangites. He set about securing Macedon's position, and he succeeded after some brief sieges by securing the Tempe and Volustana passes. Meanwhile, Licinius Crassus, again, not that Crassus, led a forced march from Apollonia to Larissa, where, three miles from the destination in Tripoliscaea, he teamed up with King Eumenes of Pergamum and auxiliary troops from the Achaean and Aetolian leagues. The Pergamene fleet teamed up with the Roman fleet and began naval operations in Greece. Perseus attempted to lure the army into battle at the Pelagian plain by attacking the Thessalian allies, but Rome did not bite. Eventually, some skirmishes broke out with the Macedonians marching towards the Roman camp and then retreating, and the Romans harassing the Macedonians as they retreated, but would retreat themselves when the Macedonians sallied back out. This is how a lot of this war goes. It's just like flirting <clears throat> for like four years. So finally, the Macedonians deployed their army at sunrise earlier than they had in previous days. Perseus took up position on the hill of Callicinus and personally led the center of his army at the head of the elite cavalry and the sacred squadron, which was the core, god, core guard cavalry. Licinius Crassus not that Crassus, lined up against him, and the Romans were soundly defeated. Only a few dozen Macedonians were killed, whereas nearly 3,000 ca Roman casualties were reported. The Romans were completely un unprepared for the shock of the Macedonian attack, which was ferocious. However, Perseus did not press the advantage. This will be a theme, because he's kind of craven. <clears throat> Even though he was leading his army, he would always like, Ooh, I, don't, I don't know, I'll I'll back away. And so he retreated after the Romans had, worried about facing the entire army. Um, he really did not have the, the chutzpah of his father. <clears throat> so Perseus at this point tried to sue for peace. Like, he won one battle. And he's like, alright, you guys want to make peace now? <clears throat> and uh, he wanted the same terms that, had father, that his father, Philip V, had at the Treaty of Phonis while Rome was embroiled in the Second Punic War. The response was simple unconditional surrender to the Senate, or the war would continue. Hmm. <clears throat> Perseus was startled and somewhat mortified at this response after such a clear victory. And for good reason. The Romans were incensed by his proposal as they were no longer fighting a forefront war. It was a one-front war. It was one versus one. Yeah. And personally, if someone tries to sue for peace after such a short battle that they clearly won, <clears throat> I would assume that they believe their position is not sustainable. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah. <clears throat> so the Romans began raising the regions of Thessaly and Boeotia that were loyal to Perseus. Near Cranon, Perseus tried to goad the Romans into battle again, but they did not bite, and Perseus retreated in a tight formation so that, that the Romans could not pick off stragglers. Soon after, a second major battle took place while the Macedonians were haranguing smaller complements of Roman soldiers. Eventually, the Romans coalesced some of their troops and relieved their beleaguered comrades, and the Macedonian army was crushed after their phalangites got tripped up by becoming entangled with the column of prisoners and wagons. 
Uh, they were unable to properly assemble into the phalanx, and panic ensued. Uh, like farcical. Yeah. So over ten thousand Macedonians were killed Jesus. or taken prisoner in the battle, although the Romans sustained fairly heavy losses as well. Overall, the first year of fighting had mixed results, with Perseus winning the Battle of Callicinus, but failing to push the advantage, and the Romans winning the farcical Battle of Crandon. And now there actually isn't a ton of information remaining about the second year of the war in 170, but from what uh, what has been able to be put back together, the Romans ravaged the countryside of Greece so relentlessly and greedily that Senatus Consulta were passed and orders issued to the consul of 170, Aulus Hostilius Mancinus, and the praetor Hortensius, that they must free the slaves they captured in Greece. Jesus. Remember, a lot of Greece are their allies. Yeah. <laughs> and Gaius Lucretius, commander of the fleet, was condemned by all 35 tribes of Rome and had to pay a fine of 1 million asses. Hmm. <laughs> um, so Livy describes him as oppressive to the Allies, despicable in the sight of the enemy. The Romans had to do some serious damage control later in the year to win back the loyalty of some of their allies. There's fucking pissed and shit all over everybody. Yeah, apparently. <clears throat> so all in all, the year was not great for the Romans, uh, as Perseus won over more support in Greece, and the Roman position in Illyria was also weakened. The consul Aulus Hostilius Mancinus was nearly kidnapped at one point by the Macedonians. Ooh, not good. Nope. The entire campaign had been sloppily executed by Rome, and so in 169, Quintus Marcius Philippus was elected consul, his second, and with previous military leadership, along Gnaeus Servilius Capio. So now in the third year of the war, Marcius Philippus traveled to Macedon with legionary reinforcements as his cousin, the praetor Caius Martius Figulus, and now in control of the fleet, accompanied him. Figulus, dude. I know. <laughs> I was laughing every time. I started laughing and it made me yawn, but, um, yeah. dude, Philippus fucking Figulus. Figulus. Oh. oh, my God. <laughs> I know. Um, I'm Figulus. I'm yeah. gonna stop this war. <laughs> Or my name's not Caius Marcius Figulus. <laughs> Holy cow, that's a lot of casualties. I'm Marcus Figulus. I'm stopping this war. <laughs> You're fucking killing me. <laughs> Good gracious, that's too many casualties. <laughs> Okay. All right. So once they uh, they rendezvoused in, Th in Thessaly with Hostilius, they decided on a two pronged attack against the Macedonians. <laughs> An amphibious assault on the coastline would be led by Figulus, while Philippus uh, would take a land army past uh, Lake Ascaris in the lower Olympus range. So Perseus had every pass into Macedon covered by him and his generals, but the advanced Roman army led by Philippus's son, Quintus Martius, along with Marcus Claudius Marcellus, was able to secure an advantageous position. Once the rest of the army got there, they rested for a day before a major battle began uh, once the Macedonians had spied them. After two days of indecisive engagements and the narrow passes, Philippus decided on a bold plan to sneak through the Calipus forest in order to gain an advantage. The journey took four fucking days, and it was brutal on the war elephants and cavalry that the Romans had, but eventually they got down to the coastal plains, just hiking through, like, mountain forests. Yep. Once Perseus realized what had happened, he did basically, like, every decision he would make 
right now is probably the worst possible one you could make after cool. something like that just happened. Yeah. Uh, so he uh, supposedly went into an insane cowardice shock and stupidly retreated the entire army to Pidna. Keep in mind, he has every pass, yeah. and this army just overstretched themselves through impossible forest to get to, to, and like, he, he flank spooked. him. That means that they have to supply themselves now through the forest, right. because he still has the passes. And he goes, nope, fuck this. He retreats all of his armies from the passes. He ordered the Macedonian dockyards torched. Jesus. He dumped a bunch of shit into the sea. Um, although his him dumping his treasure may be apocryphal. And he evacuated all the troops from the passes. This basically gave Romans the entire advantage, as now they could easily supply the army they just snuck through a forest. Through the passes that could easily be now just walked through. Right. Into the Macedonian heartland. Yeah. So once the army was in through the forest, that was their only avenue. It was the only one. Into heartland. The supply lines would now have to go through that. It's unbelievable. So apparently once Perseus came to his senses and realized what he had done, he publicly blamed a bunch of other people for the decisions, and he had some of them put to death to silence them. Um, according to Livy, luckily Andronicus had second-guessed burning the dockyards, uh, and you know they didn't do that. Regardless, Philippus seized the advantage and took over the fortifications in the passes and conquered the lands around Macedon, which are now open. Yeah, just wide open. Yep. was sent to Heracleum and besieged the town, which was taken as a joint effort <coughs> excuse me, uh, of the army and navy. And the Romans utilized the Maniple Legion and Testudo formation to take the town. For those that don't know, the Testudo is just when all the legionnaires, they, basically it means turtle, yeah. uh, they just all put up their shields into like a shell and they can just like march like up to the walls as, like, you try to rain shit down on them, but they're just all completely blocked by shields. Right. It's it's sort of like you guys have probably seen in movies and stuff how phalanxes work, right, where they interlock yeah. shields in front of them. They would do that, plus have shields above them. And, and, and on the sides. Yeah, and, and create, like, a completely, at least on the front, and at least one side, and I think later they figured out how to do both sides, and on yeah. the top of them, um, and they would basically be, like, a completely armored uh, yeah. little cube. Or if you if you've ever watched videos of uh, French people uh, protesting, 
and riding, sure. yeah, they'll they, do they, it with the umbrellas. Yeah, they they do a similar thing. That's actually yeah, to really, block. That's really true. Yeah, to block the uh, the tear gas canisters. Yeah, French people know how to <laughs> protest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like every twenty years, they're just like, I've had enough. It's time yeah. for the seventeenth republic, <laughs> and they just <laughs> and they fucking yeah. they go for it, and good for yep. them. Yeah, and they they fight, they know how to protest, man. These the taxis are not what I was expecting. Yeah, <laughs> sacre bleu, <laughs> and they fucking go for it. Yeah, and then who oh, comes so... back? Figulus. Yeah, Figulus would spend the remaining year of the campaign haranguing coastal locations. My name's Figulus, and I'm here to harangue. <laughs> here I go haranguing again. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, and he would have some mixed success uh, before the war was called for the winter. And Philippus, thanked by the Senate for a successful campaign, although it was still not without his hitches. <coughs> so for the upcoming campaign, Rhodes recommitted its role as amicus to Rome. Hello, we're just here to say that we're still your friend. Uh, and some defections to the Roman side did happen from uh, Perseus's allies. Lucius Aemilius Paulus won the consulship in command of the Macedonian War. And they won Gnaeus Octavius was elected praetor and given the command of the fleet. And yes, he is a distant relation to that Octavius. Hell yeah, man. He is, um, like, a Like, his uncle was, like, the great-great-grandfather of the Octavian. Okay, so he's the... Okay, so he... Okay. So he's... He's, like, the great-great-great-great-great-uncle. Sure. Yeah, something like that. I'm not going to try to figure it out. But okay. I, I did I did when I looked at this, but yeah, it's like a hit. Or no, um, Nias Octavius' grandfather uh, or was Octavian's like great, 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 great grandfather, something like that. But um, <clears throat> that's a lot of greats. Wait, this is only, when is this? This is in the. 200? I mean, this is like 150 years before that, or 120 years. That's still a lot of greats for that amount of time. Yeah, I mean, I mean like they were having kids young. Hundred years before Augustus Octavius was born. Here, well, I mean, I can send you a link. But no, yeah, no, no, I it, believe it, you. I, I'm just oh, yeah, trying I to know. think. Like oh. it, it's a lot of generations. Anyway, <coughs> yeah, they um, really crammed him in. Yeah, no, it's okay. You don't need to send me a link. Let's just let's okay. just power yeah, through. yeah. I'll do it uh, later after yeah. this. Um, but um, where was I? Oh yeah, so. Yeah, that Octavius. All right, so the outlook, <laughs> uh, yeah, so the outlook of the war at the end of the third year was not a ton different than at the beginning. Basically, not much had happened. Um, although the Romans now controlled the passes throughout Macedon and held the southern edge of the kingdom, they had gotten further inland, but overstretched their supply lines and poorly communicated with the fleet, and so had to retreat some. <coughs> um, still, they were able to score some victories and. As we've seen in the past with the Romans, they can outlast any other enemy and wait for that one decisive blow to come. <laughs> Which, in the fourth year of the war, it fucking would. Oh, it's coming. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's about to get really fucking bad for the Macedonians. So, Paulus went about immediately demeaning the current state of the army and the armchair generals in the Senate who knew nothing of the campaign, and he had the legions in Macedon heavily reinforced. At this point... Perseus had multiple times come near to victory in the war if he had just been more bold and pushed his advantage, but he was too craven to ever capitalize. And now, 
he had another change uh, by securing alliances with some of the other Mediterranean powers and getting some mercenaries. But he proved, yet again, to be too miserly and would not open his pocket, even if it meant securing his survival. He tried to bring the Pergamene king Eumenes into the war on his side, which Eumenes was open to for the right price, which Perseus scoffed at. Hmm. And it was Pergamum that most drew Rome into the war. And the, uh, the Eumenes was straight up like, yeah, if you pay me this amount, yeah, I'll come on the air side. Yeah. And Perseus was just like, oh, I'm fine. Like, I'm not doing he needed that. allies at this point. Like, he could have just paid them. Yeah. He had money. So as the campaign began anew, there were movements throughout the region for both armies as Perseus began re-garrisoning some of the passes and fortifications around his territory, and the Romans engaged in some subterfuge to deceive Perseus as to where they were going to strike from. This was all taking part at the Alpius River, the site of so much of this posturing over the years in the war. Just them looking at each other across the banks, scowling, uh, afraid now of being caught on the north bank of the river. After the Romans faint worked and they took a strong garrison at Petra, Perseus retreated to Pydna, just outside the city on some flatland, perfect to deploy the phalanx. Mm. The battleground was flanked by hills to give skirmishers cover. So finally, the Romans stumbled upon the double phalanx formation at Pydna, perfect for their tactics. Literally, they stumbled on it. They yeah. were uh, just kind of like marching. They had no idea that uh, that Perseus had withdrawn to Pydna and lined up there. And that, I mean, that's really how the phalanx works. You have to goad the enemy, kind of like surprise them into fighting on like a flatland. The enemy knows that you're looking for flatland, so you really have to catch them by surprise. So, Paulus had to stall to hopefully delay the battle until the next day when his men were rested. They came upon them and just, like, like heard the little sound from, like, fucking Metal Gear Solid or whatever. <laughs> and, uh... Yeah. <laughs> and, uh... What a he, <laughs> And, uh, he was able to get late into the day before Perseus caught wise and began advancing. <coughs> Again, Perseus, like, he's just, like, finally, like, oh, shit, wait a minute, he's stalling. Like... He always is just, like, just too late in realizing something. Yeah. So Paulus sent his cavalry galloping across the phalanx, and Perseus finally withdrew for the night, because it was too late in the day. He was like, ah, oh, fuck, we'll just do it tomorrow. But that's what Paulus wanted. He wanted his men to be well-rested. So on the next day, Paulus was still content to wait it out, knowing Perseus had the upper hand. But the, lo the Thracians lost their nerve and attacked the Romans over a pack animal that had waded into the river, that's how it started, man. Mm -hmm. And before they knew it, an entire force of Thracians had set off the battle, and Perseus and Pallas mobilized their forces. It was like some Roman pack animal, like, wandered into, like, the river. And a bunch of Thracians came out and, like, fucking our pack animal now. And a bunch of Romans came out and massacred those Thracians, so the Thracians lost their nerve and just sprinted into the fray and started the battle. Awesome. Fucking pack animal, just waiting in the, waiting in the river. Uh, once Perseus had drawn up his forces, the phalanx was 16 ranks deep and nearly a mile long. Holy shit. <laughs> like, it's just one big phalanx. Yeah, just like as far as you can see left to right is a fucking lawnmower coming at you. Yeah. The Thracians, mercenaries, and Macedonian peltists, which were the light infantry, made up the left. And Perseus himself led the right with 3,000 Macedonian horse. 10,000 mixed Gauls, Cretan Greeks, and more Peltists on the right. The phalanx made quick work of the Roman light infantry made up of Italian allies who were getting eviscerated by the Cerise. 
In order to try to push his men ahead, one of the Italian leaders intentionally threw his standard into the phalangite so that his men would charge in suicide as losing a standard was the worst type of dishonor on the battlefield. Oh my god. Like, can you imagine? He just takes the standard and throws it out there and just like a bunch of Italian allies just like their heads on their hands or, or sorry, their hands on their head just like, oh my god. Now I have to fucking run out there. Fuck. <laughs> I guess it's a Did suicide Did you do that on charge. purpose, man? Like, like, so... It was here that Paulus noticed the weakness in the phalanx. It was advancing asymmetrically. His legions were cowering from it, but the undulating terrain was ruining the phalanx integrity. So he sent in his war elephants to disrupt the left flank, followed by a charge of the Latin allies, and the Macedonian left crumbled. With the focus now on the exposed phalanx, the legionary cohorts moved into the gaps, and this was the beginning of the end. Mm. The legions peeled off in maniples into the enemy ranks just and just began an unmitigated slaughter of the phalangites. Yeah. Legions were popping up in the middle of the phalangite ranks like the locust swarm in Gears of War and were quickly encircling the Macedonians. Forced to throw aside their sarissa uh, and fight one-on-one, they stood no chance with their light armor, wicker shields, and daggers as the Romans in heavy armor with shields and gladii just ripped them apart. Yeah, that's the thing, man. Like, if, if they get close enough where those Sarissa yeah. have to go, yeah, the Macedonians are fucked. Yeah. Those shields are made of wicker. Yeah. And we're not, so, I, you know, I know I mentioned this before, but, like, we're not talking about some ancient technology that was also called wicker. Like, it's fucking wicker. No, no, wicker. this is wicker like your grandma's, like, little blanket basket. Or Pat, patio like, chairs, right? Like, yeah. these, are, these are flimsy little, they're made of sticks. Yeah. It's fucking sticks. Yeah. And so, the Romans are like, no, I, yeah, we, no, I don't, I know about sticks. I can cut through a stick. Yeah, I've seen sti- sticks. I can cut through those. So the Your shields are made of sticks. <coughs> All right. You brought sticks to a gladius fight. <laughs> <Yes>. Brought sticks <laughs> to a fucking lamellar fight. <laughs> yeah. So needless to say, the Macedonian center was routed. Perseus fled to Pella, and the Romans continued chewing up remains of the phalanx. Macedonians that tried to flee to the shore were massacred. 20,000 Macedonians were killed Jesus. and 11,000 taken prisoner. See, this is why, remember last week we talked about how many slaves there were in Rome? This yeah. is why there were so fucking many of them. Yeah. Shit like Acor- this. According to the recent study by Paul J. Burton, this is recent, within the last few years, which I used to write a lot of this episode, fewer than 100 Romans were killed. Jesus. Most of them from that initial Italian ally charge. The Macedonian army that was built up over 25 years by Philip V and his son Perseus was defeated in under one hour. The yeah, battle dude. took as long as this episode. Yeah. <laughs> 20,000 men were killed. I mean, we're talking about Rome when Rome was Rome. Like, yeah. we're not talking about, like, declining Rome. This is the, high, this is Rome, the high Republic, talking, yeah. Yeah, this is like... Yeah, they, you, you didn't fuck with them. Dude... 20,000 men were killed in less than an hour. That's just I, the Roman. Just imagine like that phalanx just coming at like in full force, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it breaks up, and then the Romans are just sprinting up on all sides yeah. of you as the phalangite. They see it break up, and they're just like, hacked. oh, dope, perfect. Let's, yeah. I'll, okay, we're going to kill them all. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's like you were saying, t- like, uh, the balls on Perseus, to, you know, he won one battle against yeah. the greatest army on planet Earth and was like, cool, you guys want to sue for peace? And Rome was like, no. You don't know who no, we are, you, do you? What? No. No, that was a fluke. Let's do we another go, Let's do yeah. another one. 
Yeah. No, let's do another one. <laughs> yeah, we can do this for 20 years. Yeah. We just did it for 20 years. And in fact, we will. Yeah. And not only will we. We fucking love doing this for 20 years. This is like literally our favorite thing. Yeah. You can't. Oh. You can't even. You can't even buy a car in Rome unless you've gone yeah. to war for twenty years. You yeah. can't even. You want to buy a house? Where did you fight? Yeah. For two years. Two years. That's it. Ugh. But yeah. <clears throat> so Perseus would continue to run from the Romans while they sacked the countryside, and he obviously wanted to engage in peace talks. But Pallas demanded his complete surrender to the Romans. Whereas Perseus still the balls on this dude, kept demanding to be titled king, despite all of his friends abandoning him. Yeah, he's his not, army just got massacred in yeah. one hour, and he's like, okay, but can I still be king? Can I still be, like, can you call, can you call me king now still? Like, <laughs> no, we're putting you in a dungeon, you fucking idiot. Like, yeah, dude, sorry, you're not what king. What do you think, what do you think is happening yeah. here, Perseus? That's you how you win one battle. you think we're not gonna put you in a Listen, cage man, like you, and, I, and parade you around the city? Because we're going to do that. Yeah. And then you're going in the oubliette. We'll strangle your kids in front of you. That's like the thing that we do. Yeah. So, um, for what it's worth, though, Pallas called witnessing the phalanx there at the beginning advancing on his crumbling legions the most terrifying thing he had ever seen in his life. Uh, but once it lost its formation, it was cut to pieces. With so much drama in the LBC, it's kind of hard being a Snoop D-O-double-G, but I somehow, someway, keep coming up with funky ass shit like every single day. May I kick a little something for the G's and make a few ends as I breeze through. Two in the morning and the party still jumping cause my mama ain't home. I got bitches in the living room getting it on and they ain't leaving till six in the morning. So what you want to do? Shit, I got a pocket full of rubbers and my homeboys do too. So turn off the lights and close the door. But, but what? We don't let them hoes. Yeah. So we gon' smoke a ounce to this. G's up, hoes down while you motherfuckers bounce to this. And uh, briefly, I'll briefly talk about the aftermath. Uh, Perseus, who was the last of the Antigonids, was displayed in a cage during Pallas' triumph and then thrown into a basement dungeon before being placed on house arrest. He was starved to death and be given a state funeral. Well, at least they gave him a nice funeral, yeah. Yeah. It, it's uh, up in the air whether he starved himself to death or the Romans starved him to death, but regardless, Does it matter? Yeah. Still a fucking bad way to go. Yeah. So Macedon was no more. Done. The kingdom of Philip and Alexander was destroyed once and for all. Uh, Epirus did not fare well mm -hmm. and became a smoking ruin. And Macedon was divided into small Roman clients. All of the smaller states in the eastern Mediterranean that defied Rome were treated harshly and without dignity as Rome supplanted itself as the power in the region. The Seleucids were bitch-slapped out of Egypt after nearly finally conquering the Ptolemies. Rhodes and Pergamum, they got spanked as well. Uh, they received some wrath from the Romans as they had clearly been sort of playing both sides throughout the war. They were reprimanded harshly. And at the end of the day, though, this is an episode about the aftermath of the war. That's an entirely different and loaded subject. But the Romans would retreat back to Italy after the war, having crushed an enemy, but not technically annexed any territory. They literally just went there to prove a point. Yeah. <clears throat> so you, war... you can't be the biggest and the strongest. It's us. It's us. Yeah. You didn't yep. fucking beat Carthage. You guys, have you seen Carthage? Have you seen yep. Carthage? Salted. It's salted. Yeah. Um, so the war was a statement. 
in the Mediterranean heard it loud and clear. Yeah. And eventually, they're going to annex all that territory. Yeah, yeah, they, they will. It They'll wouldn't be it. too much longer. It's but. not going to be much longer. They'll do it. Yeah. That's great. What a good war. What a yeah. what a solid showing by the good old Romans. I mean, yeah, the good old boys. Those those good old boys. They didn't fuck around, truthfully. No. Dude, reading about that slaughter at Pydna, it was just like, oh my god. Like, after, like, I mean, the whole war is just basically like a fart, too, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like a bunch of foreplay for four years, and then the Romans fucking blew it in two seconds. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable, man. The fucking fucking Macedonians had it coming, though. They were playing Yeah, they, they were getting uppity. And see, Philip was smart. He stood up against the Romans. He got smacked. He went back to them with his hat in his hands, and they're yeah. like, you can remain king. Yeah. Just be our friend. Yeah. Yeah. What have I ever done to make you treat me so it's disrespectfully? It's man. Yeah. He fucked up. If you come to the Romans in friendship, they'll let you be a king. <laughs> but if you treat them so disrespectfully... Look at us. Whatever happened to the Romans, you're looking you're at looking them. looking at them. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that was good. I liked that. I mean, yeah. you know, liked is subjective, but. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I don't have anything to add. That was just fun. I just liked hearing about how the Romans fucked up the Macedonians. They Yeah, they yeah, it was cool. Treated it was them fun to, to a, read about it. They treated them to a good old-fashioned Roman slaughter. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, yeah, dude, I... it's, it's funny. It's like right after the manipular system was implemented. <laughs> and they were just like, you yeah, know, we're, we're, they were like Brett the Hitman Hart. Well, no, the manipular system was invented, I think, in the third century. Am I crazy? I thought Maybe that this was the like the first. Century. Wasn't this was not the first like major conflict no. where the manipular system? This, came this to was play? towards the end of the manipular system, and Marius would come around like less than a hundred years after this. And then the manipular system became like the the, the, Marian. the the modern Marian legions. Yeah, where the the maniples were replaced with cohorts. Got it. Yeah, yeah I, no, guess I, I guess I had my timeline all fucked up, but. Um, yeah, Manipal was like 4th or 3rd century it was introduced. And that was by... Who? Who? Ooh, that I don't know. I'm not sure. And there was... I remember... Oh, I you think, know what it was? They... Uh, it was the... Um, not the Etruscans. The... Samnites? So the, oh, it was Samnites. the Samnite War. the Samnite Wars yeah. that they... They came up with it in the Samnite Yeah, Wars. that was like the big the big war where they... Okay. I'm getting where they, confused. Where they, they changed from a phalanx yeah. to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the Romans used to fight in a phalanx too. Right, but and, the Samnite Wars were like in the Dolomites or some shit. Right, they were in the, yeah. the mountains, and they had to adjust, and so they yep. came up with the maniples, and they fucked up the Samnites finally. Yeah. And then, yeah, okay, got it. Yep. <sighs> yep, we got it here at Left on Red. We figured out the Yeah, man, we got there. We figured it out. We, we, we figured out what we were talking about right at the end of the episode. Yeah, that's right at right. the end there, we, we sort of came together and realized, oh, that's oh, that's Yeah, that's right. We about. do know that. Yeah, we yeah, remember that. Yeah, so. yeah, I've heard of Rome, for sure, yeah. for sure, for sure. For sure, yeah. So, anyway, this was the third of four. I'm very excited next week for the Gallic Wars. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be good. About, Gonna learn about our boys, um, yeah. Lucius Varinus uh, and Titus Polo. Yeah, that's actually a really fair point. We are gonna talk yeah. about Lucius Varinus and Titus Polo. A the little main bit. characters of the the TV series Rome. We should try to watch people. all of Rome between now and then. I've done that multiple times. Yeah, well, we <laughs> should try to do it this week. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, and then we're gonna talk about Gaius Julius Caesar, who you've all yeah. heard of, and he's everyone's he's favorite. He's no figulus, but. No, he's no figulous. Figulous. 
I'm gonna figure this out. We're gonna figure out how to <laughs> fucking kill these ridiculous. Macedonians. <laughs> so you want to see some maniples? We're gonna kill these <laughs> Macedonians. That's Figulus. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you guys remember from earlier. It's just a callback to my impression of Figulus. Yeah. Although he he was uh, he was the the fleet commander, so he would have had the the quinquiremes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so anyway, um, anything you want to add? No? Nothing? I don't think so. Um, no. <laughs> okay. No, I don't think so. I yeah. think that I'm happy with, I think that I'm happy with a nice hour-long episode. Yeah, good. Yeah, I try um, yeah. I don't have any, like, current events or anything to add. I'm go- I'm starting school tomorrow, so I've been, like, totally oh, good luck. sidetracked. Thank you. Um, yeah, I fell asleep. I, I don't know. I, I planned on making a, an ad for this week, and I just, yeah, I literally, it. dude, I burned my rice. I, I haven't even eaten. I got to go downstairs and eat. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I'll let you do that. Um, I would just like to uh, please ask all of our fans to uh, tell your friends uh, and, you know, whoever else you interact with about us. We spread by word of mouth. That's basically the vast majority of how we spread. Though sometimes we get some listeners after I make a Twitter post or something, but mainly it's word of mouth so please tell people about us um rate and review us on apple or your podcast app of choice and actually yeah spotify has uh has ratings now too you can now rate podcasts with stars like you used to on apple i just noticed that today so nice awesome um, if you listen on spotify please do that just because we're trying to catch up because they just started allowing that that's a new thing yeah great yeah i'm i'm going to do that for us right after i did that for us today nice yeah um yeah so anyway please do that tell people about us and uh keep listening we appreciate it yeah we do we really do thank yep. you guys so much and right. uh long live figulus yeah and if you live in massachusetts which i think i feel like half of our listeners do yeah uh stay safe this weekend seriously yeah it's it's gonna snow and it's gonna be shitty make, and sure, it's, uh, make sure you got your shovels hey you guys got salt and shovels yeah it's not Don't like a snow cone. We're not talking about snow like a snow cone. We're talking about <laughs> heavy duty, deep diesel snow. Inches and inches of snow. Well, this is some diesel snow. Oh, mm-hmm. that's some deep and diesel snow. I can't, you can't you can't walk through that without some sort of equipment. I, I'm sorry, are you walk are, are you, my I just saw my neighbor walking through this. Good thing. afternoon, Perseus. Okay. <laughs> my name's Figulus. I'm here to do some fighting against you in the good old fashioned way. Now you arrange your you arrange your phalanx and I'll get my maniples going and yeah. we'll just see who comes out on top, you big bad boy. <laughs> yep. So that was Figulus with uh Awe Kaisar. <laughs> what is it? What is it? What was it from uh from Far? Awe true, Awe to, true Kaisar. to Kaisar. Yeah, yeah. Awe true to Kaisar. <laughs> Awe at Kwale, friends. <laughs> All, right. All right. Anyway, yeah. see you okay. guys later. Yeah, salvation. <laughs> Awe true to Kaisar. <laughs> Good evening. Have a wonderful night. Creep on in, on in, See, I'm riding high, high. Kind of broke, you see me, y'all. So, all I got is fire. I got fire.
player Give me some brew and I might just chill But I'm the type that like to light another joint like Cypress Hill I still do be spit loogies when I puff on it I got some bucks on it, but it ain't enough on it Go get the S-T-I-D-E-S Nevertheless, I'm hella fresh Rolling joints like a cigarette So pass it across the table like ping pong I'm gone, beating my chest like King Kong And some wrap my lips around the phony And when it comes to getting another stogie Fools all kick in like Shinobi Know me ain't my homie to begin with It's too many heads to be Probably let my friend hit bit Unless you pull out the fat crispy Five dollar bill on the real before it's history Cause fools be having them vacuum lungs And if you let them hit it for free you hella dumb Da-dum-dum dumb. I come to school with a tailor on my earlobe Avoiding all the flick teasers, skeezers and weirdos Got me throwing off the land like where the bomb at Give me two bucks you take a puff and pass my bomb back Suck up the dank like a slurpee The serious bomb will make a nigga go delirious like Eddie Murphy I got more growing pains than Maggie Cause homies nag me to take the dank out of the baggie To the east, hit the stroke tonight, oh, so we can roll big hot sheets. I wish I could fade the eight, but I'm no budget. Still rolling the two, don't cut the same old bucket. Foggy window, soggy endo. I'm in the land, getting smoke with my kid. Up in smoke, yeah, can spray your layer down. Up in the OAK, the town. Homies don't play around, we down there, blaze a pound. Then ease up, speed up through the ESO, drink the VSOP up with the lemon squeeze up. And everybody's roller, I'm the roller. That's quick to fold up, blunt out of a bunch of sticky doja. Hold up, suck up my weed, it's all you need, kicking feet. Cause we're IBs, we need to have like a foo-foo. Oh, oh, oh. 